Welcome to Dig It. Hope you're all having a beautiful morning. This is the speaker. I'm here as per usual with the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls this morning? Hey there. I'm feeling encouraged after seeing my community kind of get back to normal. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that going around, so. Good to see the world slowly getting back to normality. Yeah, how are you doing, Speaker? We know that you lost a a family member this week, a furry family member. Uh, Yeah, I'm okay. I'm a little bit, just a little bit, um, what's the word? I used it before. Just a little bit down, just a little bit nihilistic. Not really feeling it, but the show must go on. So I wasn't going to miss dropping in here with you. But I might be a little bit more quiet than usual. But, um, yeah, but, yeah I, I, I wouldn't miss podcasts with you guys. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today, ladies? Lots of stuff. Lots, Lots of, stuff. of stuff. The There's, Who, uh, hydroxychloroquine, like Spygate, Corey's articles. We got a lot. A lot yeah, of happening. We got a few things. Mostly these two are going to be doing the talking. I'm just going to sit here with my coffee and. <laughs> I get all in. Uh, um, I, I also want to talk about this Joe Rogan thing because that's um, just kind of popped up the other day. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into one question that I managed managed to pull the other day, which is a question that I have asked Corey a, a few times as well. This is from the Imp. And the imp is saying, Corey, would you ever do a research project on someone for compensation? So would you ever also do digs or anything for compensation as well? I've asked you this many times. You know this. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, and I have been asked that by some people, and um, I have not other there's okay. So there's one organization I had an NDA with that I did do some digs with because it was in direct alignment with what it is I'm trying to expose. And I knew that it was going to go for that good, but I have had some people ask me to do um, kind of an individual dig on something more of a um, personal matter to them. And it's, it's really hard for me because it, you know, it breaks my heart to see what people are going through, but I'm trying very hard to expose things on a grander scale that impacts everyone. So if I was to take, you know, weeks away from that to focus on one, one thing that maybe, you know, impacts a smaller group it's like a really hard thing to try to balance and juggle because it's not i mean i have to support myself obviously um but it's not about the money for me you know it's about it's about waking people up to see so that they're armed with knowledge and they can make the right choices for them and their families so i'm not saying that i would 100 percent say no to that but it's, it's not something, um, but I have said no to that in the past. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that applies or not, but. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it's a good question. I mean, a, a lot of people wish they had the skills that you have. But now, now also obviously I understand 
where it can get a little bit um, you know, funky. Well, and honestly, there's some areas where people have asked me, it's just not my area of expertise, you know? Um, when it starts involving law enforcement and it would require investigating on, on a much different level, a um, little more intimate level and, and possibly gaining, you know, I don't have grand connections. I don't have access to databases that um, everyone else doesn't have access to. You know what I mean? So it's not like um, everything I do is open source. So it makes it, it makes that a little tricky. If someone such as like General Flynn or, you know, a team within the government who I trusted were looking for um, some backup research investigators to help with specific things in taking corruption down, hells yeah, I would do that. <laughs> you know, let me put a team together and I would be happy to do that. Um, it's just... Uh, yeah, it gets tricky because I really want to focus on, you know, it's not about most of the stuff I expose has nothing to do with left or right or, or any of these divisions they've created. It's about all of humanity and not even just our country because these agendas carry across multiple countries. And so to me, that's like the most important thing is, is waking people up to um, – what all these agendas are and what that means for you and how to try to navigate that. Good answer. So, yeah. Well said. <laughs> um, and, I, and I also wanted to clarify because last week in our last podcast, I said that, um, and I think it, the gentleman's name was Garth on Patreon. Corey, correct me if I'm wrong or if you remember. But oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's sent you a good message correcting me last week when I said Australia didn't have a constitution. We do have a constitution. I don't think it's worth the paper it's written on, but apparently we do. No one ever told me. I've been Australian all my life. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to, have to apologise for that misleading. I was getting confused with Bill of Rights and, and such things as freedom of speech. Mm. Uh, we don't have any of that. But, yes, thanks for sending that through, Garth. I do apologize for that mistake. Yeah. Um, so what do we want to rock on first? Um, we, can, we can rock into this Joe Rogan thing, and then I can let you guys uh, do your thing. Um, so this is really big in the mainstream at the moment, uh, which only happened a couple of days ago. Joe Rogan made an announcement that he is solely moving his his podcast and, and it doesn't really matter if you like Joe Rogan or not. Uh, this is not really about this, um, but he he does run the largest podcast in the world, without a doubt, um, with the viewers and listeners from five to ten million every episode. It's a lot wow. of people. Um, yeah, it, it it's massive. It's by far the largest podcast in the world. Um, so he signed an exclusivity deal with Spotify for $100 million. It, they're, they're reporting around $100 million. Who knows what else is involved in that? And the reason this is really big, because he, he spoke out about a year ago or so as well about YouTube. They demonetized him. Of course they did. Um, they demonetized everybody. Um, but after that, he he kind of went on the defensive and said, you know, they're pretty much trying to control speech and 
uh, control what you hear, which is true. It's exactly what they're doing. So after that, it seems like he's looked for options other places because he was really big on YouTube. His subscriber count on YouTube is about, I think, 8 million. It's not a small channel. Right. Um, you like some of the interviews that he does with Elon Musk and so forth have has reached numbers of twenty thirty million views. Wow, it's not small. And to see someone like go from a platform like that, like to me, this is from what I can remember. This has only happened twice when we're talking about these sort of big profiles. Um, and now this is exclusive to Spotify. This, this deal is exclusive to Spotify. So all these videos and stuff will go there as well. Uh, which is also interesting because Spotify is not a video platform. So obviously they're making a play to move in uh, on, on the more visual aspect of things. So YouTube needs to watch out. I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, it's definitely good for him. He just pocketed $100 million, But Well, what I mean by it is that it's a good thing that um, there are consequences for YouTube's censorship finally yeah. starting to happen. Yeah. And that's the only way that you get change is when there's consequences um you know if we see more people fleeing and there's more competition uh to youtube then that's going to force youtube to start changing their policy with regards to censoring free speech mm -hmm. um and and this is a, this is a huge loss for youtube uh because his, his podcast you can listen to his own website uh, on his own website, of course, and plus other, but his YouTube channel was where a lot of people tune in that put his podcast on, whoever it was, and the let it play in the background. It's generally what I used to do anyway, depending on who was on. So now I, I'm going to have to go to Spotify to do that, and I will because I do like his podcast. It, it just shows you how it draws people away. And this is, like I was saying before, the only, only the second person of this profile and caliber that has made this sort of a move. Uh, the other person was in the gaming industry. Uh, so I don't know if, if, you, if any of you have heard of a platform called Twitch, but it's pretty much the YouTube of the gaming world, of the streaming world. And a couple of years ago, a streamer, the biggest streamer in the world, uh, a person called Ninja, made a move over to their competitor exclusivity deal for 50 million they poached him to a company called mixer and mixer is pretty much the bit shoot of youtube so the, those are the two largest moves that have been made in the last two years and with those moves have taken a lot of followers and a lot of supporters with them and this is going to do the same so i i think it's a i think it's a good thing to show these companies that you know they're they're not the be all and end all. I mean, a lot of people forget what happened to MySpace, and it can definitely happen again. Definitely, yeah. I uh, think competition in general is a good thing, and any, any shakeups to monopolies for certain. Exactly. I mean, it's not like this is a small company. I'm sure they've got their hands in, and they've got partnership deals with Microsoft and stuff as well. All these big platforms do. Um, but it is just good to see that there there is a little bit more competition. And this is really going to shake things up. So I just thought I should bring this up because when it comes to censorship and all that, I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of it. We deal with it every day on Twitter. We deal with it every day on YouTube. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have a platform that sort of size where we can say, you know what, we're getting up and we're moving to this other platform. We just don't have the audience. 
as, as big as that. So we, we have to use platforms like YouTube and stuff as, at the moment. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. All, all this other stuff is available on other platforms till the end of the year. Um, and then at the end of the year, it just goes exclusively to Spotify. Wow. So it, I'm also interested to see how they're going to change the layout of their site. They're not a video platform. So obviously they haven't, they haven't made this play lightly. They've, they've thought about a whole range of things before they've gone and spent this $100 million. Right. So, yeah, some, obviously some big work, things in the works from other platforms. So, Ed, I don't listen to this. the uh, audio on Biden, quite a bombshell this week. Oh, yeah, that was some good stuff. So we had already heard before from the horse's mouth, you know, where he was bragging about the quid pro quo with Ukraine. Uh, but now this week we have some new audio that was just released. And this audio shows numerous phone calls of Biden and Poroshenko, the former Ukrainian president, as well as Kerry and Poroshenko as well. So. And these calls, they're clearly pressing Ukraine to fire Viktor Shokin, the former prosecutor who was investigating Burisma and Biden. And they were also talking about um, covering their tracks with regards to that bank, Pravat Bank, where uh, $1.8 billion was sent and disappeared. Um, so definitely bombshell, smoking gun type of material that we received this week on that. What do you guys think about it? Well, and didn't they also clarify, it was kind of hard to hear, but I saw some notes on it, and didn't they clarify that basically he wasn't corrupt, there wasn't reason for firing him? Because if you remember, Biden and I believe Kerry was even going around, and they were both saying, well, he was corrupt, and this is what we do. You know, we... Yeah, but but I think that call kind of uh, surmised the fact that he was not corrupt and they forced him to resign. Yeah, they've been saying that all along that um, Victor Shokin was the corrupt one and it was just the opposite. And it's the same thing that they do every time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's with, They're with the ones that are corrupt. With, with, this, with that recording, though, it's like, it's so... Bombshell! It's hard to believe it's real. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm. I'm just like I'm a little bit skeptical with this because it's, it's. It's like that's like getting a video of seeing Obama give like millions of dollars to a corrupt individual. It's like that obvious. It's like this can't be real, right? <laughs> <laughs> This is coming from the Ukraine. There's an investigation. We got an announcement a while back, several months ago, that the Ukraine had um, started an investigation into Biden pressuring um, the oh, former I, president. I, I, I think so, it's real. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. Just, so <laughs> this is from the officials who are conducting that inv- investigation. And when we listen to the audio, it does sound like Biden. And it does sound like Kerry sounds real to me but it's just one of those things where you just like it's can you believe it because they're so brazen 
Right. It's right. it's too good to be well, true. It um, shows I'm you the hubris in my old age. No, listen, <laughs> these people these people never thought they were going to get caught. Uh, Biden in particular has always been oblivious. For example, that last recording where he was saying that, you know, bragging about it on tape about how he withheld the billion dollars from Ukraine until they fired Viktor Shokin. Um, he's always been that brazen and always had gaffes. These people are so, have so much hubris. They think they'll never get caught. They think that they're above the law. And um, they actually don't even really see anything wrong with what they're doing. That's how corrupt they are. They don't even realize it. They were dropping all day yesterday. Like every couple yeah. of hours there would be a new one. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, we have like an hour's worth of tape of phone calls between uh, Ukraine and Biden and I hope, I hope someone saved them because there's a good chance that YouTube channel is going to get taken down. Man, I couldn't even keep up the last 48 hours on uh, everything going on. I'm like, thank God Edge can keep up with the spy gate while I'm keeping up with all the other crap because <laughs> Grinnell's been on fire. He has. He has been on fire. We got several drops last week of documents and so forth on the unmasking of Flynn. This week, declassified email of Susan Rice. This email uh, is kind of infamous. It's been talked about for ages, mm -hmm. uh, but, but it wasn't declassified until this week. So Susan Rice wrote this email, this strange email to herself on the day of the inauguration, the Trump inauguration. And 15 minutes after, did you see that? Sarah Carter put that, the timestamp on it was 15 minutes after Obama's term was officially over. So the Trump right. administration got hold of it. Crazy. So bizarre. So uh -huh. bizarre. This email, it was like, first of all, wh why do you send an email to yourself? Um, that's I strange. Do. Okay, I do so every night. I do every I do. night. I'm, when I'm in bed on my laptop and all of a sudden an article comes to me or information, I email myself so that right. when I... I, 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 do, I, do this, I, I do the same with pictures and art and stuff like that. Yes. So, so I do that too, but it's usually <laughs> to either, to either like bookmark, to bookmark or remember something. Right. This was definitely a CYA email. This was mm -hmm. definitely like, why do you need to remind yourself several times that you did everything by the book? Right. You know what I mean? Like she re repeatedly said that throughout the email. And <laughs> I, 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 I am completely innocent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> to whomever reads this. <laughs> right. And then the other thing that's really notable about this email is that um, she, it, it's clear that she's covering for Obama. Um, what she's saying in the email is basically Obama nicely requested for Comey to, you know, surveil Flynn. When in reality, we know that if the president's asking the, uh, the director of the FBI, that's a really, he, he's commanding it. He's, you know, especially in that administration. And um, so this, this email is definitely a CYA, but it's really covering for Obama and throwing Comey under the bus. That, I think, is, was the original intention of this email. Mm. And so that was pretty bombshell this week. And um, I think that's just the beginning of it. I think we're going to expect to see some more 
um, revelations as each week goes by. I think this is the purpose of having the acting DNI uh, director, ODNI director, uh, Grinnell. He's just basically going to be dropping bombs um, until he's gone. And we have the permanent um, director of that office in place. But, um, you know, we, we've heard, and I believe that we will start to see um, how Flynn was not the only one that there was just massive unmasking going on of the Trump family, even Congress members. So I think we can expect that in the near future. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just sitting here looking at my notes thinking, yeah, I wonder what's going on now with uh, Sidney Powell just filed the motion to have the judge removed in Flynn's case. He just mentioned Flynn. So I was looking at my notes. But I, I, I don't know when that's... Uh, have we heard any movement on that yet? They're trying to postpone everything for another month or more. All of this is stall tactics. I think that it's inevitable... Um, Sidney Powell knows this and has expressed this, that uh, Sullivan has, Judge Sullivan has uh, no legal standing to do this. You know, we've had Supreme Court ruling um, and several other court rulings where you can't use the amicus briefs. Um, And that's why Sidney Powell's filed this motion to have Sullivan removed from the case. But I think that really all in all, bottom line, this is just strategy on the deep state's part to extend the inevitable, to just make it drag out a little bit longer. Yeah. They love doing that. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the justice system. Right. But uh, we we know what we'll see in in the end for Flint. He's going to be exonerated. He already is. It's just a matter of the fact that the judge doesn't want to accept it. (laughs) Oh, that's ridiculous. I just... I just... I really do think he'll end up going and working for the Trump administration. Definitely. And, and I, burning this all down. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. It's got to happen. At this point, I mean, that's, that's like the ultimate, ultimate victory there. Yep. Yep. The ultimate F-U. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? God, mm. and then we have so much has gone on. The letter to the World Health Organization and all this stuff going on with the hydroxychloroquine. Oh, right. So, up. <laughs> it, it is. So Trump, you know how he's been talking lately about defunding the World Health Organization. There was a freeze put on that money. And, you know, this week, Trump submitted this brutally candid letter to the yeah. WHO and to Tedros. Citing, you know, several examples of how the WHO has been inaccurate, misleading, favoring China, all of this. And um, I love that they put specific dates and details in there, though. Yes. That's like a historical document now of a, of a time. You know how I love my timeline. So, yep. Yep. There was a timeline put in there, like, you know, just making it plain as day. Like, look how corrupt you are. Right. You know, you, you had the, the true information on this date, yet you were misleading the people on this date. Trump just called them out in this letter. And then at the bottom line, gave them 30 days to make some stu- substantive improvements or this temporary freeze is going to be a permanent one. The U.S. may pull out of the WHO completely. 
So the right. U.S. spends about $450 million a year towards the WHO, while China, on the other hand, is at around $40 million a year. It's, it's, it's 15%, isn't it? The reality is they can't possibly clean. You can't. <laughs> what are you going to clean up in 30 days? Exactly. I mean, that was going to be my next question. Gonna, you can't. You can't walk back everything you've already done. And uh, Pompeo was just on recently, in fact, talking about, it, it was a great little two-minute clip, um, talking about China and how everyone's becoming aware. And I want to say that they did this poll and it was like somewhere, it was in the high 60s, maybe like 67% of Americans feel that, you know, China is in fact corrupt and are concerned. And um, he talked about them getting rid of the uh, virus, you know, the specimens. And so uh, how could the who possibly walk this back? And they have a corrupt leader and we've got Bill Gates giving them three and a half billion, all these corrupt people involved. So as far as I'm concerned, this is like a statement to make uh, everyone in the world aware of the timeline of what they actually pulled, what they did. Right. So when we do back out, we have that documented. Exactly. I think uh, that Trump just, already is expecting that. I was going to ask you guys if you think that there would be any substantive changes in 30 days. And you just answered that. You, you can't, you know, and I just, I know this is somewhat irrelevant, but, it, but I can't help myself. <laughs> in the letter, I'm reading it. And they're talking about how years back, when Gro Harlem Brundtland was uh, head of the WHO, how she managed, uh, and she's from Norway, how she managed, um, gosh, I can't even remember which one it was. Um, one of the viruses, though, where she got on top of it much more efficiently and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like cringing while I'm reading it because they're giving kudos to her. And not many people know that name. I know that name because she's in my book in a later chapter. Um, but just so people know, she is totally tied into all these corrupt, nefarious characters. She's involved in the whole HIV AIDS scandal. She's connected to Jeffrey Sachs of the Global Fund. She was made the UN Special Envoy for Climate Change by Ban Ki-moon, another deep state character. She served as uh, Deputy Chair of the Elders, which is a, a front group, again, for the whole AIDS thing that was initiated by Richard Branson and led by Nelson Mandela and chaired by Kofi Annan, who Kofi Annan is now dead. He died last year, I think, but he was also one of the founders of the Global Fund. So I'm not a fan of hers. So when I was reading that, I was like, don't give kudos to her. Please. Right. See, <laughs> now you're saying that corrupt individual did better on this virus than you did on this one, and you're all corrupt. Oh, all corrupt. See, the, the WHO is, you know, this birth child of the UN. And it was really supposed to be, if you go back to its origins, it was supposed to be like their, you know, their health arm of the UN. But really, it, it, it's, it's always been a depopulation agenda from its origins. And um, when you research that, like all the way back from the beginning of why the who was founded. How do you clean that up in 30 days? You don't yeah, No. So no. well, you don't cause so, it was built on corruption. Exactly. <laughs> not only that, that's, that's the pillars. That's what they stand on. Not only right. that, initially they were saying that, you know, somebody else would have to lead the who like they're, they're not down with Tedros leading the who. So, that wasn't mentioned, of course, in this letter. They just talked about an overall 
clean, clean, clean up your house. You got 30, right. but so I just don't see it. Um, I guess right. we'll find out in 30 days what the next statement is going to be, but I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. Here's my thought is that Trump already is two steps ahead and anticipates that any kind of changes that they would make would not be sufficient. And therefore, he's already determined the end before the beginning, before even submitting this letter, that he's planning probably, in my opinion, my guess, is that he's planning to uh, freeze funding permanently and or withdraw from the WHO. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Yeah, you know what I'm going to keep my eyes on is uh, all of the agencies that work as arms off of our government that pertain to the healthcare industry and see what starts shifting around there. Because that would be very telling if, if we are working on devising sort of our own group um, right. of healthcare, like a healthcare agency that would outreach to other countries when big events are taking place that type of thing, because essentially that's what we've done on our own. And we just put the who to the side throughout this whole pandemic. And they, and then directly made contact with the leaders and the health departments of other countries and rocked and rolled this through this, you know, that was going to be my next question. There's been over a hundred countries who have called for an investigation of the who. Mm -hmm. Some of them include Australia, UK, Russia, Canada, New Zealand, do you see of the who or of China an investigation of the of the who? Okay. I thought, but also probably an investigation of China as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so my question is: Do you see if maybe if we did pull out of the who of the U.S. possibly starting some like uh, alternate coalition of countries who formed some sort of variation of whatever the who is doing only better? Possibly. And you know what? Just You just made me think of um, a tweet that Trump tweeted out. I think it was this morning about moving and scheduling the G7 meeting at Camp David because they have big things to talk about. I'm not suggesting that would have anything to do with this necessarily. That just popped in my head. But, but yeah, I mean, that's totally plausible. I, I, just, I just don't see them. I pray they don't move forward with the who. I don't yeah. see it. They're so, they're just so corrupt. I really don't know how you substantively, substantively, God, that, that's a hard word to say, <laughs> change um, an organization who from their very roots had a depopulation agenda. Right. Um, you know, uh, you would have to completely redefine the entire organization mm -hmm. and that's just not going to happen. Yep. So let's move into hydroxychloroquine because we still have so much more to cover. Okay. So on Monday, <laughs> Trump really started one. Yeah, Trump really stirred it up, and I love it. So on Monday during a press conference, he just mentioned in passing that he was taking hydroxychloroquine and has been for the past couple of weeks as a preventative. And you should have seen the media meltdown over this. They just completely lost it. It was awesome. But, uh, you know, we had even, you know, Pelosi coming out and she was, oh, she was so concerned about Trump's health because, you know, he's older. Yeah, right. And she said he was morbidly obese. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> so, These people. I know. It's, it's something else. And, she's, and, of and of course you had the other side then just go straight away and attack Stacey Abrams. I mean, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> Come on. I mean, do you really want to... Do you really want to discuss morbid obesity? I really? mean, there's so many angles you could take on this. I mean, like like Pelosi's the picture of healthy living. Yeah. Part of posi body positivity is that they're calling people fat. Oh, <laughs> it's insane. But so, you know, and, and the other angle you could take is, you know, they hate the man so much. Why do they care what he's taking? Honestly, with, with, that, with that obese comment, though, I... I don't really care much for it. I mean, Trump's picks like that all the time too. So I'm not really, I don't really care about it. But it's just funny to see them do what they say they don't do and what they hate so much. Exactly. Exactly. But then we had, you know, even like Neil Cavuto on the Fox channel um, saying, you know, he's being over dramatic and exclaiming, you will die if you take this. Yeah. It was insane over the top it's so cheap and they can't make their trillions of dollars in the vaccine industry if this flies through exactly and what was the conference the meeting the other day um i caught some clips on that um yeah what there was, was what was that i'm sure you have that in your notes um they were speaking about the va study and how yes. it's bunk and Yep. So there was a, a cabinet meeting that the press was invited to uh, this week as well, where they followed up on the hydroxychloroquine topic. And a lot of clarity was provided in that. Um, basically, this VA study that the media keeps touting over and over again, uh, they clarified it in this cabinet meeting, stating that the, the VA study was not done by the VA. What it was was a group of researchers took VA numbers um, for their study that there's a difference there because there's a difference in agendas and mm. what they did with this study was it was not randomized meaning like these people were selected and they selected the people that were the sickest like you know on their deathbed and that you know they found that hydroxychloroquine wasn't working that well when you were giving it to people on their deathbed and you weren't combining it with other, like a, a combination, which we've figured out by now, hydroxychloroquine with zinc and I can't remember what the other thing, but it, it's usually like a cocktail that they give, you know, a, a mixture, a combination. Not with zinc and in some cases, yeah. I can't say that word, erythromycin. How do you say that? I don't know. But, but the, the point is, is that they, they took several different factors, meaning mm -hmm. it, there wasn't a combination used. Uh, they didn't look for comorbidities, which a lot of these people had. Uh, these people were very, very ill. They weren't being given hydroxychloroquine in combination with other drugs that they know work. Um, early on when first diagnosed. It was like when they were on their deathbed. All of these combinations or all of these, these factors play into the results of the study. Now, the study wasn't even peer-reviewed. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of problems with this study that the media keeps touting as their explanation for how dangerous this drug is. But we have so much other evidence that it's, that it's worked very, very well. In fact, in that same um, press conference, that same cabinet meeting, 
um, they were explaining that the military and the VA have been taking hydroxychloroquine for over 65 years. And there is a reason for that. It's because it works and because right. it's safe. But the media doesn't want to hear that. They want to keep pushing this narrative. But my question to you guys is, do you think just by Trump coming out and boldly stating, look, I'm taking hydroxychloroquine, and I have been for a couple of weeks now as a preventative, do you think by making that move that we're going to see some more doctors bravely defying what they see as the norm in the medical community and prescribing it? 100%. 100%. And another important thing that happened in that, and I was so happy to see because I had included this in the, remember the investigations and the battle against, uh, battle for a vaccine report I did? Well, I had reviewed the executive order on right to try. And it talks about how if there's a clinical trial going on that a person doesn't have the ability to participate in or didn't make it into that they have the right to try that for like life-saving measures. And so it felt to me like that very much so aligned in this case. And they brought that up um, in the conference we were just talking about. He brought up that executive order, right to try. So I love that, that Trump has stayed ahead of this you know, with these executive orders, like well ahead of the game, um, almost anticipating their potential moves. But another thing I want to mention is something that, you know, irks me to no end. I know you guys know this, and I've, I've tweeted about this quite a bit, um, because it really just pisses me off. So you've got, if you've read the documents from the FDA, first off, they, they suggest that hydroxychloroquine, there's no evidence that it has been proven to work for COVID-19, which is lies, total lies. It has been proven in multiple cases and including the, I think it was the study out of France, right? So, yep. so on one, in one breath, they're saying that it's, they're, they're concerned that people should be aware, you know, that if you are taking it, it should be under hospital care or doctor supervision um, because those with that are, you know, risk of heart disease or heart issues, that this could be problematic for that. Well, I think pretty much any drug is if you have heart issues. But then in the next breath, they say, however, If you are taking it for, you know, what is it, autoimmune issues or arthritis or lupus, I can't even remember the other things it's taken for, please continue your prescription. Okay. That makes makes a lot of sense. Don't take it for life-saving measures. But if you're already taking it, and millions of people are for these other things, it's totally safe, guys. Totally safe. And then the other thing that pisses me off is that Okay, so they're trying to use the hydroxychloroquine right now as an off-label. It would be considered an off-label from what its initial initial intention was um, for this drug, which is done all the time in the pharmaceutical industry. However, with you guys know I did that big report on the transgender agenda and puberty blockers. And it's a very hot topic because there's a lot of legislators in numerous states, like a dozen states that are trying to push for legislation to make it a class C felony or some sort of crime if doctors or parents get 
prescription puberty blockers for children or try to do, you know, castrations or hysterectomies or any kind of um, gender treatments for children under, you know, a certain age. So back in the early 90s, the FDA approved puberty blockers, which is, you know, hormones. You're dosing children with hormones to prevent their growth, essentially. And it was for central precocious puberty, which is a whole thing I won't go into right now. Um, it, it's a very, very rare thing, and they're, they're making it out to be like this big disorder so they can pump children full of these meds, and so that later on down the road, they can then use this and say, you know, we really think this is a great medicine to be used for gender dysphoria. Now, at any point, has the FDA come out with exception of, I believe it was either 2016 or 2017. It's in my report. Um, I, I have the actual document in there from the FDA where they are telling AbbVie, which produces the Lupron, um, Lupron Depopede, I believe it's called, because they have, it, that's another medicine that's used for other things as well. Um, so, they, they said on their labels, they have to now include, because they've had all these adverse event reports, in addition to seizures and potential tumors, neurological issues, there could be severe psychiatric adverse events. And so that needs to be included on their label. But at any point, did they make big announcements? Did they try to get media coverage to warn parents, look, if you're trying to dose your kids full of these hormones, which, by the way, has never had a long-term cl clinical study done on how these are affecting children, um, that, you know, these are the warnings. No. No, no zero. Label, did they ever step in and say, this is a danger and this needs to be restricted in any way, shape, or form, or it needs can only be done in this manner or anything? No. Zero media coverage. But when we're talking about a life-saving drug, something that's been around for decades, <clears throat> that's caused very little side effects, and I don't think it's caused death, but I could be wrong there, um, they're, they're going all out. Yeah, you could just Google hydroxychloroquine and you'll find probably 20 articles on how it's going to kill you. This is what they do. They, uh, they have their friends in academia and, and science who can doctor the numbers, doctor these, um, these test results to come out with, you know, with the results they're looking for so that they can you know, post their, their articles um, you know, to steer their narrative. Exactly. Uh, I love how you quotation marked science. Science. <laughs> so you, you saw me air quoting because I actually was. <laughs> oh, air quoted. <laughs> I know. That was hilarious. Nothing wrong with science, mate, but I know what science you're talking about. Well, you know, see, the thing with science, science is that. And there's science. There's science and there's science. Yeah. So I want to bring up um, a few things. Last uh, Friday, I released a report, and we briefly touched on it last week, um, but I didn't really drop the bombshells. And now I kind of want to drop a couple of the bombshells, um, and I'll link to that as well. But this whole contact tracing thing, it's such a shit show. Um, partners in Health, I go into that quite a bit in my report, um, they are, so Paul Farmer and Jim Young Kim, 
former World Bank president. You know, I've been tracking these people for years. And so as soon as I saw their involvement, I knew Jim Young Kim was going to be like a mastermind behind this. And he's the one meeting with the governors. And now they're, they've cre- created this team that can help states, you know, and making it sound like they're going to do this for free when really they're working for, they're, they're going to be trying to get grants. And so fast forward to Bobby Rush, Illinois um, Democrat representative, Bobby Rush, who just so happened to be in Africa last August for a conference with um, the Aspen Institute. Sorry, I'm going from memory here. And they were doing this uh, congressional program meeting, and there's roughly about 45 people that attend. So there were, there were like seven congressmen from the U.S., six of which were all Democrats from, from the states you would guess them to be from. And in attendance were two representatives from the Gates Foundation Dr. Paul Farmer was there from Partners in Health, and there was a lead scientist there from EcoHealth, which EcoHealth is yep. the, the one that they called out and put a halt to the, I believe it was 3.7 million, wasn't it? Right. Um, from NIH because of their connections to the Wuhan lab. So these guys are all getting together, and it was funded by the Democracy Fund, uh, the Rockefellers, Gates Foundation, and there were a couple others in there. So they basically funded and sponsored this whole event with the Aspen Institute, which then paid for all the travel expenses of the, of the people attending, or at least Bobby Rush, because I pulled up his documents that he had to submit um, to the, gosh, it's like the Ethics Committee, and they have to submit, you know, who paid for this, yada, yada. So it was, I want to say roughly $19,000 for him and his wife to go there. Then comes back here and is the one who introduces the bill for contact tracing for $100 billion to go out through grants to his buddies that are leading the show on this. I mean, what are the odds of that? That's nuts. Wonder what they were talking about. That You said this was a meeting last year. That was just in August, mid-August. And then, then uh, Pelosi tries to introduce this. She takes it down a notch to $75 billion for the contact tracing and tries to put it into the new coronavirus package shit show that she's working on right now, which the House passed. But we're waiting for the whole back and forth on that to see where they land. So that was um, – and, and I go into a lot more detail. I've done – I have included partners in health in like over a half a dozen of my reports. Um, they go way back, way back decades with the Clintons and Gates. So I encourage everyone to go in and look at that to understand who these people are because they are central to almost every agenda carried out on the human race. And, uh, and then on Monday I released um, an article on um, what was my article called? Hang on. I got to look. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already <laughs> I'm already finishing up my next article that's going to release on Thursday. You know, yeah, I can't keep up. The solution has always been you. Thank you. Yes, the solution has always been you. And it was something that I've been wanting to get out because I feel like 
I mean, what do you guys say? I feel like people are always so focused on what can we do? How can we change this? We need to hit the streets and protest. We need to try to get legislation changed. And they're very focused on the high-end government level instead of the local level. And, and the thing is, is literally we can make this change. I'm not joking. If enough people did this, we could make this flip overnight that fast. It is on an individual basis. It is one person saying, I'm going to, my business, I'm going to walk into a store without a mask on. I'm going to go about my life and I'm going to support my family and I'm going to, you know, move forward and I'm not going to let these people take away my freedoms. And when people do that, it creates a ripple effect and it gives other people the courage to do it. And we're starting to see some people stand up. And yes, some people have been arrested and they're in and out of jail quickly. But you know what? This is the shit that needs to happen in order to flip this. Because what they're doing right now is so beyond unconstitutional and illegal and overstepping their authority, these governors. It's, it's outrageous. So you look at like, what just happened? Um, uh, this just made me smile. Did you guys see in Virginia how how like they had restrictions on going to the beach, but thousands of people said, "Screw this, we're going to the beach." And so Northam yep. had to lift the restrictions on it and just let it go. Yep. So this yes. is what I'm talking about. There's more of us than there are of them, and we've talked about this a little bit—the psychology of people. And if enough people start standing up, that gives the others courage to do it as well. And the more numbers that we have, the, the harder it is for them to maintain that control. When they know it's unconstitutional, there's no way that they could battle each and every one of these cases in, uh, you know, in court um, and win them. It's just not, not feasible for them. So, Right. And you've got, you know, so to put it in perspective, okay, I looked up the numbers in multiple states. You've got between 250 and 350 law enforcement, you know, police officers per 100,000 residents. That right there speaks volumes. They cannot possibly contain and enforce all of this. And then you've got, now this is outrageous too, and I'm following this story to see what, what went down today. But in Illinois, you got Pritzker, who I just, this, I just can't even believe this one. So he just passed this emergency rule. He put through this emergency rule, which will hold for 150 days, which gives the authority to, uh, for law enforcement to enforce that if small businesses attempt to open their doors before the end of May, they could be facing fines and up to one year in jail. And here's the joke on that. This ass release gave clemency to over a 1,000 um, a thousand people that were in prison and there were like 60 something of them were in for murder. And not only did he do that, but when you, when you release people from prison, you have to notify the victims. None of them were notified. I mean, if this is not overstepping bounds, look, they're like the, I think like the seventh, the Pritzker family in general is, is total mafia. Yeah. They're like so the corrupt. richest family out there yeah they're super rich so intertwined with obama and all kinds of stuff so the fact that he released all of those prisoners under the guise 
of not spreading COVID and is now threatening citizens, small business owners that need to feed their families to fill those jail cells where he just released murderers is insane. Absolutely insane. There's this committee of uh, 12 that basically can override this. And I think they have to get eight, if, if I'm remembering correctly, eight votes. Uh, and there's six Republicans and six Democrats. So there is a Republican that was this morning going to introduce, uh, and it's Wednesday, folks, we record on Wednesday. <laughs> so this morning, he was going to introduce um, an objection to that. And if, if they all vote and it goes through, then it basically puts a stall on it for 90 days, which at that point, we would assume all businesses would be open anyways, because if he's still locking down on that, I sure hope people have the balls to say, you know what, we're done. We're done with you trying to take away our rights. Look, everyone's already sacrificed so much that how much more are you willing to sacrifice, you know? And, and, and my whole point in this is, Everyone's looking for someone else to save the day or or the government to come rescue us. Or when the reality is, it is literally this particular battle is within ourselves. You've got to be brave. You've got to not care what other people think. And you need to just stand up for your rights and, um, and, and live out your truth and your freedom and open your business and do what you need to do to take care of your family. And the more people do that, the more they're not, they're not going to be able to stop this right well well said i sense a little bit of hippie in that at the end <laughs> um, fight for your right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do think it starts with a mindset I, I was really encouraged i got together with my friends and neighbors this past weekend and uh, you know because one of my neighbors who we're all really good friends with was moving and so we wanted to say goodbye got together at the the park nearby and uh, just had a little, you know, get together a little party. And there were like 40 of us. And a lot of the people um, in my neighborhood in this group of friends, they're, they're liberals. They're, you know, there's a lot of people that um, in, in my area that are transplants from like California, from Chicago. Um, so they kind of come with that mindset. You know, it's, it's a diverse group, but we're, we're all very, you know, friendly people, good people, different, you know, viewpoints. So I was interested to take, a, you know, a pulse on, you know, the people in my community. And yeah. I was really surprised and encouraged by that because nobody was wearing masks of the 40 people. All of our kids were playing together, like not social dis- distancing at all. Most of us hugged when we said hello. Um oh. It was great. It was like old times. And the conversations, um, I could tell people were waking up to the agenda behind it. Like, this is a way over reaction um, to the the problem. The solution is worse than the problem. There's an agenda behind it. People are waking up to this and talking about it. People that aren't typically typically, um, political. Um, and don't typically lean conservative. They asked you about Obama too, didn't they? Yeah, one of the the girls <laughs> in the group was like, "Hey, did you guys hear all that stuff about Obama?" Edge <laughs> <laughs> is just smiling. She just yeah. bites her tongue. <laughs> she could, they, they, they got no idea she's on the front lines. 
No idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Edge, because you have children, is, you know, when I was writing this, I, I I was hearing people come back at me and say, and say, but I have children. You know, I can't risk this. And, like, I was hearing just all the excuses. Well, it's easy for you to say, well, I could lose this and I could lose that if I stand up to this and yada, yada. And my whole thinking is, you know, you need to, you need, this is a teaching lesson for children. This is a teaching lesson to show them that you stand up and you fight for your right. And if they shut you down or they issue you a citation or they haul you off to jail and you're out the next day or three days later, or maybe you're in a court battle. I know those things suck. Those are not fun repercussions, but is that reason to just lay down, throw in the towel and say, go ahead and walk all over me. I'm a doormat. So, right. so what's your perspective on that for, you know, parents? If I were just speaking for myself, cause I don't want to tell other parents how they should parent or what they would do, what they should do. But for me, it, you're right. It's, it's all about, um, you want to teach them first and foremost, you know, integrity and standing for what you believe in and not caving, even if there are consequences. Um, and sometimes there are, and that's tough, but, um, you know, that's w- really what parenting is about is teaching the kids those tough lessons that they're not going to get elsewhere. Um, so, and if, if anything, this is a moment that you need to fight for so that your children have um, the republic that you want to save, you know, for the future generations. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a more important moment in my lifetime than right. now to stand up because the kids aren't going to have it if we don't take a stand now. We have these tough conversations with with our kids. You know, we we talk about the agendas because they're pushed so heavily in school. And I have to spend a good amount of time um, deprogramming my kids. <laughs> right, I would imagine. You know? Yeah. Um, so we do have these tough conversations and tell them, you know, look, it's going to be hard to take a stand, um, when everyone else is telling you the opposite, but you just have to go with what your heart tells you, go with what you know is right. Even if it's against what everyone else is telling you to do. Yeah. And yeah, those, there's very few moments in your life but they're very important where you really do need to take that stand. And you, you can't really just tell your kids to do that, but you actually have to live it. So, right. you know, that's, that's what we try to do. Yeah, good points. Well said, Edge. I just got this mental picture in my head of Edge getting arrested outside of ass. I thought this was America. I, I thought this was America. <laughs> I'm not allowed to stand up for myself? I thought this was America. Huh? Isn't this America? I'm sorry, I thought this was America. Oh, I'm sorry. I was again, I thought I was in America. I'm sorry. What, is this a communist country or something? No, this is America. Oh my god. Did you guys see the this morning I saw the operation haircut at Michigan's Capitol? I freaking love it. 
Yep, I saw I, I that. I, I didn't say it. Was it funny? And, and you know, another thing, people need to follow Chris Ann Hall. She's a constitutionalist. She's a former prosecutor. She's published six books on the Constitution and Bill of Rights, and she um, teaches classes on the Constitution. And I was just listening last night to um, her show. She does a show, I think it's like five nights a week, um, from a couple days ago, <clears throat> where she was talking about uh, well, several things, but she had brought up, you know, some of the judges that are actually standing up to this. So I highly recommend people follow her. And um, it's, it's Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L. So also I wanted to quickly mention that to, uh, I think it was just yesterday, on Tuesday, Trump signed that executive order. I don't know if you guys saw that on yeah. um to identify regulations that can be suspended during the coronavirus. But here's the thing. So they're going to take a look at and identify. They are looking at 600 regulatory actions right now, and they want to do this to uh, re you know, deregulate hundreds in order to move things along quicker and kickstart the economy. But they're also looking at making a lot of these permanent. So, and they're telling agencies not to over-enforce regulations on small businesses and nonprofits that are trying to do, you know, the best they can right now. I also saw it was like included in that executive order was a bill of rights for businesses. Oh, I missed that. You know, I actually maintain a list on my website of all of Trump's executive orders since he got into office. So it's all in chronological order and I have links to the actual text of the EOs. Okay, so the regulatory Bill of Rights contained in the executive order are listed below. And the first one is the government should bear the burden of, of proving an alleged violation of law. The subject of enforcement should not bear the burden of proving compliance. So this has a lot to do with these businesses that are getting shut down uh, for opening up um, outside of the stay-at-home orders. So um, I think... Ah, look at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look so, at that. Oh, oh, speaking of, okay, so there's... I did a tweet thread on the whole thing with Pritzker and... Um, Snow White on Twitter had had posted the little meme about contacting Barr and it has the phone number because he wants to hear from any violations that, you know, potential violations that governors are overstepping their authority and whatnot. So I included that in the tweet and we should maybe flash that up on the screen too because it's important that we hammer the heck out of these phone calls, seriously, and let them know. I mean, this is... This is outrageous. I know there's a lot of like Governor Inslee in Washington. My God, there's so many outrageous things happening with these governors right now overstepping their authority that need, everyone needs to be calling in and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people calling in and complaining about this is, um, it, I'm telling you, it'll make a difference. So yes. We've got committees, we've got, we've got, look at the Supreme Court that um, overturned the stay at home in Wisconsin. I mean, so it's important to, you know, as much as it's important to, you know, stay true to yourself and, and be the one who steps out and makes a difference and creates that ripple effect, it's also important to call your representatives and stay on top of them. Definitely. It, it makes a difference. It yeah. does. All right, guys, we ready to wrap up? 
I think so. All right. Thanks for listening to us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and as always, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. The solution is you.